Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, your guide to everything love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. Each week, your host, Zach Beach, interviews new experts on love, including couples therapists, relationship coaches, sex educators, and best-selling authors. Learn the best tips and cutting-edge wisdom to better love yourself, others, and the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, everyone. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the incredible sexologist and relationship therapist, Heidi G. Hello, Heidi, and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. And today we are going to be talking about letting pleasure be your measure. And for those that don't know, Heidi G is an experienced sexologist and relationship therapist who believes everyone is entitled to a fulfilling relationship and sex life. With almost 15 years of experience in sexual health and counseling, Heidi specializes in supporting couples and individuals who are dissatisfied with their sexual functioning, such as low libido, loss of desire, inability to orgasm, communication issues, self-esteem, and even just cultivating connection and focusing on education in sexuality. Heidi has been featured on Triple J Radio and various men's health magazines. She herself has a podcast called The G-Spot, where I was able to be a guest on, and now I'm super excited to turn the interview around and ask her all the questions on sex, dating, and relationships. So, Heidi, coming from the land down under, how are you today? I'm doing well, (laughs) thank you. We're here in lockdown, but hey, I'm alive, and I am so happy to be talking to you about my favorite topic. So, it's not all bad. (laughs) No, we have technology now and we can connect wherever we are in the world. So I'm sending you love across this big ocean between us. And I'm so excited for our conversation today. And I love talking to therapists like yourself because I think of you as being like on the front lines of relationships. I also talk to psychologists who are in, you know, the Ivy League universities and in their little offices. But you're like on the front lines. And I'm curious, what are the big trends? and problems you're seeing right now. I know how depression and anxiety are on the rise. Internet and social media addiction is on the rise. You just mentioned you're in lockdown and definitely depending on where you are in the world, that pandemic is affecting your life in certain ways. So how are people's relationships changing as they encounter our new challenges in life? Yeah, that's a uh, a good question. And it's funny that you asked that because just the other night I saw new clients who were living in the States and moved to Australia in February and um, they were quite happy to be living here. They thought, oh, freedom, because at that time we were living a uh, somewhat normal life. And they spoke about the struggles they had in lockdown living in the US, um, how it affected their relationship in terms of how they communicated with each other, how they didn't feel supported anymore by each other, how they had nothing to give to each other. And this is actually a common theme that I've seen with a lot of my clients. You know, these couples have been together for a long time, yet they're faced with new challenges. I mean, lockdown. You know, I was thinking two, three years ago, I was traveling Europe. 
And if someone said to me, you know what, in 2020, you're going to be in lockdown and this is what it means and this is what it looks like, I would have thought, yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So it's all, it's new to all of us. Not only is it a strain on our mental health, it's a strain on our relationships. And what I'm hearing is, you know, we have to now face that elephant in the room, which we've been suppressing for years or months or whatever it might be. The way we're talking to each other, we're not hearing each other. We don't feel heard. We're saying things to each other that, oh my goodness, I never thought that I'd say or never thought my partner would say to me. And now that's impacted trust. Uh, We have since had a newborn baby and I feel lonely or I feel lost or lost sense of self or I'm no longer working. So there are just so many factors that impact the relationship and a lot of couples are feeling quite stuck right now. Yeah, your talk of struggles reminds me of a recent metaphor I saw online on how on our computers, sometimes we have like an application running in the background that's like draining the computer's resources, which makes our other programs really slow. Yeah, And they're talking about how, yeah, the stress of this pandemic is draining a lot of our personal lives and leaving less energy to focus on our work and people are feeling burnt out. And as a result, too, we're less able to be present and loving to our partners. And we struggle keeping that connection when we feel depleted in so many ways. So people are feeling stuck, as you mentioned. And what's the way out? How do we become unstuck? Well, if I had a magic answer, but I I think that... (laughs) You know, we, and this is, I'll go back to the couple that I saw. Um, What they kept saying is we want our relationship to go back to the way it was. We want it to go back to the way it was. We don't know what to do in this situation. We're under the same roof. We see each other all the time. The mystery's not there. Um, It's just not fun. We've got two young kids. I want him to do X, Y, and Z. I want her to do, you know, A, B, and C. And I said, what we need to do is stop trying to recreate what happened or what the relationship was like previously. This is the new normal. It doesn't have to be forever. It's not going to be forever, but the here and now is the new normal. So it's what are the things that we can do to feed our soul, to give ourselves energy, even if it's five or 10 minutes on our own, you know, going for a walk, because even though we're in lockdown here in Sydney, in New South Wales, actually, most of Australia, um, you know, we uh, we can go for a walk. We can get some sunshine. And sometimes it's about, okay, taking a step back, slowing down, and let's try and appreciate the small things. And I know that might sound silly if, we, you know, our business is on hold and we're not getting any money. and But we get so caught up in all that negativity that we need to stop and go, okay, what can I do for myself? You know, we, we focus on the things that we can't control. Let's focus on the things that we can control, feeding our soul, doing the simple things like reading, going for walks, writing down, you know, what are the things that I can do um, in or during lockdown that might help me, you know, and get me by. Sitting down with your partner going, what can we do as a partner, as a couple or as co-parents to get us by? How can we support each other? What are the things that we need? A bit more space, right? So how can we do that, you know, within our limitations? Because, and and I get it because I've been through it as well. We just, you know, oh, I want to go out and see my friends or I want to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, we're in lockdown. 
you know, or we just come out of lockdown, whatever the situation, you know, we just come out of lockdown and lockdown was really hard for us and it's impacted our relationship and we're still at a low, low. So what are the things that we need to, you know, feed our soul to support each other. And it might even be getting external help as well, going to see a relationship therapist. So don't focus on the things that you can't control, focus on the things that you can control. I absolutely love that question of inquiry. What can I do to feed my soul? Mm -hmm. And I love how it goes beyond just like, oh, like take a bath and drink some water to like what really like nourishes you, fulfills you, makes you feel passionate about life. And that will inevitably overflow into passion into your relationship. And when you mentioned also not to get so caught up in negativity, I was reminded of that new term that I've heard more and more recently called doom scrolling, (laughs) where like so many websites now are infinite scrolls where you can just keep going and going and going. And then when there's like a fire or a natural disaster or just challenging news, you're tempted to just you just keep going. And it's that matter of noticing when we're in patterns of negativity, when we keep going through these things and being able to pull ourselves out of it. And that's why I do almost feel like mindfulness and meditation can be really help can really help because it is that present moment attention of like looking at what am I doing now and is it making me feel good? Before we started chatting, you mentioned how even you start your day same time every day, also with morning meditation. So let's just talk about that real quick. Like how can we notice when we get caught up? How can we remain centered? And even like how have you felt that something like meditation has helped you? Sometimes, and I have to admit, during lockdown, sometimes meditation has been difficult for me. And what I've had to do is accept, okay, today is not meditation day. However, what is it that I want to do during lockdown? Like, what can I do? What can I control? And what is it that I want out of, you know, when we get out of lockdown? I like a healthy mind, healthy body, really important to me. I'm very spiritual and I'm sure I've told you this before. So I do have my crystals. I do meditate (laughs) um, and I want to keep that because that feeds my soul. That keeps me going. Waking up every morning at the same time, staying in that routine keeps me going. Getting fresh air, exercising, very important to me. So I stick to the things that nourish my soul and that are important to me. I thought, this is what I need. This is what fuels me. And I don't want that to be disrupted. So that's a priority. I keep that as a priority. I focus on the things, like I said, that I can control and quieting the mind. And if I can't quieten the mind, I make note of it. Okay, what is it that I, what, that's bothering me? What is going on for me? So rather than try and fight it, I let it flow. This is what's bothering me at the moment. This is what's a concern or this is why I can't quieten the mind. So keeping in that routine and meditating because I know that I have control of my health and well-being. And when we get out of this, I want, you know, I, I need my health. We all need our health, right? Because it can affect our mental health. It can be so consuming. It's This is such a weird, weird situation. So I like to go within and maintain a healthy mind and body as best I can, but also to listen to my mind and body. You know, you have your down days. I did on Monday. I started to feel really flat and really sore. And I thought, okay, what's going on here? And what is it that I need to do? So I had to take a step back. And as soon as I took a step back, listened to some relaxing music, did a little meditation, 
honestly, I was fine. Not saying, oh, everything's okay. Just as in, I noticed how my body, and this might sound weird, but it was like my body let go. I felt so heavy and my body just let go. And I thought, oh, that's what I needed. Still in the same situation, but at least I am now aware of my body and how my body is reacting, my mind, just letting go. And that's something I do have control over. Absolutely. I love your sort of encouraging of reflection. And I do think that with new crises in our life or crises in our life offers new opportunities. And what I'm hearing from you is this is an opportunity or being in lockdown is an opportunity to reflect Mm. on what we truly want, right? What we truly want out of life. And that's where we get into our values. That's where we get into a clear mind, an open heart, a healthy body, And I think deep down, one of the things many of us truly want is a happy and successful relationship. Yeah. Uh, Potentially with somebody, one person that we care about very deeply and we want to spend the rest of our lives with. And when you were talking about lockdowns, I was thinking about like the political conflict that we often see is when two people want different things. Like you might have an anti-lockdown protest (laughs) because I don't want want it. And then public health officials say this is something that we need. But it's so interesting me in relationships is you have two people, they want the exactly same thing. They want a happy, loving, supporting relationship. And they meet each other and they come to a mutual agreement to be in this happy, supported, loving relationship. And it ends up not being that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so why is it that two people wanting the same thing in relationship, entering into the relationship with the same intention end up being in conflict? I reckon it's how we view the conflict. And again, thinking about that um, couple that I saw just the other night, you know, the problem was X and then partner A viewed the problem as Y. The other pro- the other partner viewed it as, you know, Z and they had different approaches. It's like, but do you, and I guess they were so caught up in, oh, this this is the problem. This is what's not working for me. And yet as the therapist, I'm like, okay, so I'm hearing actually, and you guys might not realize this, but I'm hearing that you both are seeing the problem as the same thing, but you're taking a different approach and you're thinking, hey, my way is better or no, my way is better. You're not stopping to listen to the other person. And what I also heard is I don't feel heard. I don't feel understood. And I think it's how we approach things, you know, how we manage stress, because that came up a lot as well. And not having your cup filled, so focused on the external. And this is what I was saying to this couple. I know I keep using them as um, an example, and I think it's a great example for this, for what we're talking about. They were talking so much about the external factors, the external problems and what they needed from each other. And yet I was trying to get them to focus on themselves. You know, the most important relationship is the relationship with yourself. What are you giving to yourself? Because you are so focused on the negative and and there's nothing wrong with that because we need to, you know, work on the negative, but you are so focused on the external and you're so focused on what you're not getting from your partner. You both are in conflict. And it's just going in circles. So let's take a step back. And and I think this whole lockdown actually has been, I mean, look, it's taught us a lot of things. And I think a big thing is, hey, we need to work on our own shit. 
we need to work on ourselves. We get, and just generally, we get so caught up on the external stuff. And I think this goes back to me meditating and the exercise where I've had to go within and focus on what I can control within and what I need to give to myself first before I can give to my clients. Yeah, your emphasis on how much people focus on the external stuff and rather than the work that they themselves need to get into has come up a few times on the podcast, basically around how rarely is the thing the couple is arguing about the problem. Like it's not about the dishes or the cleanliness of the house. It's not necessarily about money. Like I even have like a client and they're very well off. Like they kind of have more money than they could ever use or spend, but they argue about money all the time because there's under, you know, there's underlying issues and values and beliefs around money in this case or around cleanliness in the house that Mm. often come up. So let's talk about how we want to approach those problems because you mentioned how the problem is agreed on, but the solution is not. And (laughs) the proposed solution is actually the point of conflict. So how do we shift from those external like issues that we're discussing to a more sensitive, attuned to oneself and connecting approach? Yeah, it comes down to communication. And <laughs> see, we're taught that, yeah, communication is imp- important in any relationship. But I think a lot of people don't know what communication is. They assume that communication is not arguing with someone or not arguing with your partner. And, you know, we have um, love languages and we also have fight languages as well. So how we fight, and when I say fight, I'm not saying get your boxing gloves and, you know, this is a competition, but, well, let's say disagree. You know, how we have those um, discussions about what we disagree on is really important to know the difference between listening and hearing, you know, hearing your own thoughts rather than stopping and listening to the words and the emotions that your partner is trying to express, trying to understand where where your partner's coming from. You don't have to agree, but trying to understand where your partner's coming from, listen to their point of view. That way you are both on the same page and that way it's not you versus your partner. It's you and your partner versus the problem. And I think that's why, and that also goes back to your previous question, you know, why do we get caught up in these cycles is because it ends up being a battle between each other. No, you don't give me this. You don't do that. It's like, well, hey, this is the situation and it's a pretty shit situation. We're both going through it together. We're both not coping. So how can we, us together, work on the problem, the problem being X, not the problem being you or the problem being me? (laughs) How do we work on that together? And when we have better communication skills, where we're not talking at our partner, where we're not getting on the defensive, where we're using more I statements, hey, I feel, I feel frustrated about X, Y, and Z. And what I need right now is blah, blah, blah. We're using assertive language. We are then more heard and listened to. And when we do feel heard, we feel closer to our partner. We feel more connected. That's good communication. 
I love that phrase you just said that you don't have to agree, but you can understand. Mm. And that is what I think is so important. And what you are really tapping into is that when we talk about connection, when we talk about intimacy, it does stem from an understanding of our partner's internal world and feeling like our partner understands our internal world. Absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's important. And I think regardless of how long you've been together, I think it's important to have these regular conversations. This is what I say to all my clients, because I have had couples say, oh yeah, we did speak about that. And like, oh, when? Oh, I don't know, a few months ago or last <laughs> year. It's like, no, these need to be ongoing conversations. Like you'd come home from work and you might ask your partner, hey, how was your day? I said, you also need to have regular conversations about sex, not just before you're about to have sex, um, regular conversations about feelings. And when I say feelings, it doesn't have to be the deep, deep and meaningful all the time. It's more about getting to know each other and getting to understand each other because situations change, dynamics change. And I think a lot of couples get surprised by this in a sense of, but we've been together for 15 years and we don't really argue, but now we started arguing and we can't get out of this cycle. We don't know what's going on. We want it to be the way it used to be. Like, So what's changed or what's happened in the last 12 months or five years or whatever it might be? Oh, well, we've moved house, we've moved country, we've now got a baby, uh, we've got a demanding job. It's like, right, there you go. There you go. The, they're external stresses. And how often do you guys, you know, sit and talk about it? And what what is the plan? And how do you support each other? You know, because you're both going through difficult times. So having these regular conversations and listening, active listening, which I do warn my clients is bloody hard, <laughs> <laughs> but it's important, you know, sitting down, having ground rules. Okay. So we want to talk about X, Y, and Z, because we're both struggling with X, Y, and Z. As soon as, you know, one of us gets um, angry or too emotional, then let's call time out and let's get back to it in five minutes. And if five minutes is not enough time and we're still emotional or still angry at each other or we can't talk about this, then, hey, let's set another time to talk about it. Let's try and understand each other's feelings. Again, don't have to agree, but, you know, I'm going to ask you questions rather than while you're talking, I'm going to think about, oh, what I want to ask her and what I want to say and, oh, no, I don't agree with what you're saying. I'm going to sit and listen and try and understand where you're coming from and ask the right questions. And if I'm not asking the right questions, then, hey, let's help each other out rather than, no, you shouldn't say that or, no, you're picking on me. It's like, no, it's about supporting each other. Hey, we're in, we're in this together. Let's try and support each other and help each other out. Yeah, absolutely. Like connecting it to something you said earlier, you mentioned the importance of I statements. And one of the reasons I statements to me are so good is because you can't like argue against it. Yeah. Meaning like if I'm like, this place is a mess, your partner might disagree. If I'm like, you're being a jerk, well, your partner probably is going to also disagree exactly. on that. But if you're like, I'm feeling frustrated, um, you know, I'm sad that this is our situation, then it's like, that's their reality, right? Yeah. And their feelings are real and valid. And another thing you said reminded me of something I was just reading about and encouraged people in relationships to see their partner not as a noun, but as a verb. And I love it because 
we're always changing, right? We're a different person yesterday than we are today. Yeah. And oftentimes like we think we have a relationship, we agreed to it, it's good, we know our partner and we don't realize how we do need to update each other on our lives, on our emotional realities and how things have changed and how yeah. our desires and dreams and, and wants are continually moving in the relationship. So I love your advice on having those regular conversations on your feelings, your wants, your needs, and even your dreams. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's so important. And like I said, it does become a bit of a shock really when, um, you know, you, you're caught up in a difficult situation and suddenly the way you're communicating with your partner is different to how you used to communicate or you feel your partner's withdrawn or you're talking at each other rather than to each other. And look, these things happen. It's about, okay, pressing the reset button and trying to get back on track. What is it that we both need here? You know, because we're kind of stuck. You know, we're kind of stuck and we're not being nice people to ourselves and to each other. So in order for us to move forward, what, what do we need? And hey, you might not have the answer, but at least acknowledging, hey, this is not working. You know, like this is some serious shitty energy going on here. We love each other. We're a team. What, what is it that we need to do to move forward? You know, or, hey, I'm acknowledging that things are not so great here. You know, this is how I'm feeling at the moment. You know, what do you think that we need to do? Do we need to get external support? Do we just need a bit of time out? Maybe we should make some time to have a chat, write some notes. You know, I'm feeling like X, Y, and Z. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. I noticed that I snapped at you when you asked me what I wanted for dinner, <laughs> you know, things like that. Because I think even, again, not having all the answers is fine, but even acknowledging that, hey, this is not us or this is, you know, it's, it's a shitty energy at the moment. Um, let's work on this together. Absolutely. You know, even recently I was thinking how like oftentimes we are stuck in our own head, like caught up in our endless internal thinking in our dialogue. So when we discover a problem in the relationship, we think it over again and again in our head and we kind of ruminated it for days or weeks. And we maybe look at our partner and think in our head like, wow, this is a problem that's never going to be solved. Like maybe we should just break up. Maybe this isn't the person I'm supposed to be with. And then you bring it up. And the partner's like, what? You've been thinking about that? Oh my goodness. Yeah, let's fix that. We can fix this right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or that was on my mind as well. I just didn't yeah. know how to bring it up to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Again, it comes down to good communication. And also, I know also when it comes to sex, you know, talking about sex, some couples are quite... <sighs> I don't know. They don't know how to bring it up with their partner, regardless of how long they've been together. And this used to just really blow my mind. I'm like, really? You don't? But that also comes down to experience, like previous experience and, you know, and um, how you were brought up as well. Um, and talking about sex is, is quite um, personal. So again, this is why I encourage my clients, hey, let's talk about it or let's get in a habit of talking about it more often. And I'm not saying, right, let's just sit down and just lay it all out. You know, I want oral sex this many times a week and I want this and this and this. You know, it's about taking small steps, encouraging each other. You know, don't, uh, I like to use a gym analogy a lot. So if you haven't been to the gym and you decide, look, I want to go to the gym, you're not going to start lifting a hundred kilos. Sorry, I don't know how much that is in pounds, um, <laughs> but you know, you're going to start small. 
It's heavy. It's very right? heavy. It's heavy. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, you know, you're going to start small. You're going to take small steps until your body gets used to it, right? So it's like um, having conversations, um, regardless of what the conversations are. Communication is the same thing. It takes practice. It really does. No, it absolutely does. And it, relationships themselves are a practice. And it, they're really one of the most beautiful practices we have because we do get in touch with our internal worlds, our feelings, our emotions, the richness of love and relationships. And you mentioned sex a few times. So we got to get into it to today's topic on letting pleasure be our measure. And let's first talk about how important in your professional opinion is a good sex life to the success and happiness of the relationship overall? I think it depends on the on the individual, how important it is. It really it depends on your background. It depends on how comfortable you were talking about it and what you get out of it as well. Um, often, you see, I see couples who have mismatched libido, different libidos. So one person might not think it's as important, don't think about sex, don't care if they don't have sex. Uh, the other person needs sex. So sometimes someone needs to feel close in order to have sex with their partner. Sometimes the other person needs to have sex with their partner in order to feel close. So it's about how do we come on the same page? Um, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> and how do we work on this to have an understanding of each other's needs? So when it comes to importance, again, it depends on the individuals. And it also depends on what sex is to the person. A lot of people think it's penetration, but sex is so much more than that. Absolutely. And it ties right back to what you were mentioning before around how how important it is to know what we want and in relationships to communicate what we want and find a person who wants to meet our wants and we want to meet their wants. So you mentioned how sex can be so much more because, and which is so true. And I think a lot of people do think it's like, you know, it's just penetration until one or both partners orgasm. And when we talk about pleasure being the measure, I love this phrase because many sex educators have noticed that when people are really focused on having an orgasm, they forget about the joys of actually getting there. You know, and this often sometimes happens in male-female relationships where the male thinks that they have to like do things to make the girl come. And then afterwards he asks like, did you come? And then she says, no, but like still had a really good time. But then the male kind of like feels, oh, I failed. So there is a shift um, from being like orgasm oriented to being pleasure oriented. And I'm wondering how we can effectively go about that shift and letting pleasure be our measure. I think it's important to be focused on the journey um, and the experience, not the end goal or comparing um, yourself to others. We live in a society where sex is just everywhere movies, music, social media, it's all in your face. And look, orgasms, orgasms are great. They're the peak of sexual excitement. Who doesn't want to experience an orgasm? But even though, yes, our bodies are designed to experience an orgasm, sometimes it's more difficult for one person to experience an orgasm than the other person. And that's okay. 
we get so caught up on, I need to orgasm, I need to orgasm, or there's something wrong with me, whether it's the person trying to orgasm or the person, you know, trying to assist their partner to orgasm, oh, there's something wrong with me, or I need to do this for my ego, or I'm broken, or whatever it might be. And it's like, well, how about connecting with the person? you're with? (laughs) How about enjoying the sensations? How about enjoying the journey? I can say as a female, I haven't always had an orgasm. I would like to, but during sex, I haven't always had an orgasm and that's okay. It doesn't mean that it ruined the experience or the experience is less enjoyable. I've had some great sexual experiences without having an orgasm and I'm perfectly fine with that. So when we get so ingrained or so caught up on, I need to orgasm, I need to orgasm, or I need to give this person an orgasm, like, mm, no, you're not giving anything to anyone, but your, you know, your attention and your energy. Because look, at the end of the day, we are responsible for our own pleasure. So if we get so caught up in our minds about we need to get to the end goal, forget it. We're not in present in the moment. And when it comes to our brain <laughs> and where our mind's at, it's really important. It's probably the most important sex organ when it comes to sex. So my suggestion is to enjoy, enjoy experimenting on, hey, how can we experience an orgasm? Do we need to take more time? Do we need to try toys? Do we need to add more lube? You know, like 80% or a vulva owner is um, 80% more likely to experience an orgasm by adding lube. And when you're relaxed, yeah. 80%. When you are relaxed, (laughs) (laughs) you are more likely to experience an orgasm as well. So that is, I think that's huge to focus on the journey and the experience, not on the end goal, because that takes away from the fun. I feel like some listeners are taking notes right now. They're like, okay, okay, go to the store, put lube <laughs> on the list. And <laughs> I'm going to draw a really silly analogy because I often think about the absurdity of a question we ask children, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. You know, you, you're supposed to say like doctor or lawyer or something, but I'm like, I think the answer should be, I want to be like a compassionate, loving, kind human being. And I thought about that when you were like, you know, people come to sex and they're like, I need this to happen, this to happen. I want to like achieve this. And then you're like, how about connecting? Yeah. How about enjoying? How about feeling good? How about rather than, you know, focus on like a specific outcome, you just meet the intentions of pleasure, connection, intimacy, and just feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like to use the word achieve. I won't say achieve an orgasm. To me, that sounds like work, even though sex is work. I think when it comes to orgasms, because there are a lot of people who have difficulties um, having an orgasm or experiencing an orgasm, or it takes them a bit more work, I like to say experience. Um, because sex is a fun and beautiful experience. It is a way of connecting. It's energy. It's sharing energy. So I'm very mindful of my language as well. And yes, you are right. A compassionate person, a compassionate lover. So important. So experience orgasm. I'll be sure to use this term. So (laughs) some people have difficulty experiencing orgasm orgasm in relationships 
And there is some gender disparity um, in the research that shows, you know, women tend to have a harder time orgasming. Let's just talk about yeah the obstacles in general. So you mentioned being relaxed. You mentioned lubrication. What are some of the biggest things between somebody and experiencing an orgasm? There can be many things. It could be past experience. It could be self-esteem, body image. It could be lack of experience, lack of sexual education experience. I mean, I do what I do because I... I'm so passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about educating people about sexual health and relationships. I think that a lot of the education that we got at school and a lot of the education that is still out there is not accurate. Um, I know that when I went to school, I wasn't taught um, when it comes to sex ed, I wasn't taught about pleasure. I was taught how to put a condom on a banana. I was (laughs) taught not to get any STIs. And not to fall pregnant before I wanted to have babies. And that sex is, you know, pretty much about having babies, not it's okay to experience pleasure, that the clitoris is has over 8,000 nerve endings and its sole purpose is to experience pleasure. You know, there's also a lot of slut shaming as well. It also, you know, it, it goes back to someone's upbringing. You know, if they had a strict religious upbringing, what their message is about sex or what was the message given to them about sex? What do I look like? What do, you know, what is the other person thinking? Am I broken? There's hormones, there's stress, stress being a huge factor when it comes to orgasms. Comparison, you know, watching movies and, you know, the person, you just, I don't know, you touch, the other person touches their shoulder and then, oh my God, I've just had an orgasm. Like what a load of work. <laughs> um, porn. Porn is a great tool for arousal, but it's not where we should be learning our sex ed from. So I think it's about connecting with your own body, knowing your own body. And that starts with self-pleasure, such as masturbation. Um, And that could be quite a controversial thing for which I've discovered with some clients, controversial because of their upbringing or controversial because touching their own body is, um, it could be confronting for them. But with masturbation, you know, masturbation is perfectly normal. It's healthy. It's a good indicator to know what you like, what feels good, what doesn't feel good, to um, get familiar with different sensations. And when we know what feels good and what we like, we can tell our sexual partners, right? Um, It's like if you have a good meal at a restaurant, you want to tell people, hey, I had the pasta. It's amazing because you tried it. You experienced (laughs) it, right? So it's similar when it comes to orgasms and your sexual health and your sexual self goes back to what we spoke about the beginning of the session, um, beginning of the session, (laughs) beginning of the episode. (laughs) Ah, I feel like I'm in session now. (laughs) I'm such a therapist. The relationship with yourself is the most important relationship you'll ever have. So connecting with yourself, giving yourself pleasure because we all deserve pleasure. Our bodies are designed to experience pleasure. So it's so important. So yes, masturbation is where it starts. But look, there could also be other health issues as well. I need to say this, whether it comes from trauma, whether it's a medical condition, again, stress, it's important to be, you know, to get a checkup 
from a GP, from a gyno, just to rule out anything else. Um, But it's also important to understand that we all have different libidos and it's okay. Just like we have different tastes in food, different personalities, we all have different libidos. And generally, it does take a vulva owner a bit longer to um, get warmed up and to experience an orgasm. So don't compare, don't think that anything's wrong with you. Get to know your body and know that you're perfectly normal. So I absolutely love both the list of obstacles that you presented as well as the steps to get out of them. And I'll just summarize some of the things I heard that some of the obstacles can include low self-esteem, lack of experience. As you mentioned, trying things is going to really help. Lack of education and the extremely distorted uh, sex education that many of us received, expectations around orgasming, and even what we have seen in porn can really affect many of our beliefs. And then you mentioned how important it is to try new things, connect with our bodies, start with self-pleasuring, improve the relationship with yourself, having realistic expectations on how long it takes for you to orgasm and what it might take to get there, not to compare also, which I think is so important too. Relax, stay present. Um, Don't focus on the orgasm. Focus on what you're doing to yourself or what your sexual partner is doing to you, with you, for you, what you're doing for them, trying out new sex toys. Like make it fun, not, okay, today I've got to have that orgasm. It's got to happen. We need to do this. How about, hey, today let's try out this new lube and this new sex toy and let's see how we go. Like I said, you know, you try out different types of meals, clothes, whatever. We do this in life. We know what we like, what we don't like. So it's not different when it comes to sex. It's not about, okay, we get naked and things should just happen. We need to experience. Like sex is work. You know, sex is natural, but we're not born with the skills on how to have sex. We need to work. And when I say work, I know work might yeah, sound like, oh, fun. it's a chore. <laughs> <laughs> But um, try and look at it as fun work, you know, something that (laughs) you're experiencing with someone else or on your own. It's fun. Sex is fun. It's um, like I said, our bodies are um, designed to experience pleasure. So let's make the most of it. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You will only know what you like the more you experiment. And why not start with yourself? Yeah, I love your emphasis on our bodies being designed for pleasure is that they are, you know, it's not just about the genitals, the entire body is an erogenous zone. And but it's funny, because as you were saying that, I was thinking like, I was like, you know, my mind is getting some pleasure from this conversation right Mm. now, because of how intellectually stimulating it is. And I was thinking like, there's a physically pleasurable sensation which is tap taps us into our bodies. But then there's kind of like emotional goodness that we feel, there's mental stimulation that we feel. And some say that like the biggest sex organ in the body is actually the brain. Absolutely. And I also often sometimes think about this phrase that sex is not something that you do. It is a place that you go. And I just would love to hear your thoughts on any of this and this idea of getting our minds in the space to experience this other worldly realm of the erotic and passion and intimacy beyond just thinking about like the mechanics of bodies working together. 
Well, I'm <laughs> I'm going to say this. If there's resistance there, ask yourself what the resistance is. Because there's a resistance lot of where to to take your body to that erotic or take your mind to that erotic space. Some people can do that easily, and I know even though I've been doing this work for a long time, I'm still learning a lot. I'm learning a lot about myself. I am taking myself to that erotic space where I've never been before. And it's like, this is great. I thought that I knew it all. (laughs) (laughs) But what I ask myself is what has been the resistance? What has been stopping me? A lot of things that come up, not only with myself, but um, with clients as well, is shame. And sometimes that resistance of experiencing pleasure. I was like, why? Why is that? Because it's seen as selfish? You know, I deserve pleasure. And hey, if I want to try out kink, that's okay. I'm going to learn more about kink rather than be resistant. You know, first find out what why I'm resistant or what's holding me back and go and then sort of work through that. Okay, well, yeah, this is what I want to try because I do want to experience pleasure because I'm allowed to experience pleasure. I'm entitled to experience pleasure. Absolutely. That affirmation, I think, is so important. Like many people don't think they're worthy. I mean, don't have love in their lives because they don't think they're worthy of it. And they end up rejecting it. And many people don't think that they deserve pleasure in their life. And then maybe they uh, enter into like an encounter with somebody that they want to start a relationship with. And like in the bedroom, it goes bad. And they think, I guess this is this is normal. Like this is what I deserve. Like, but the simple affirmation that your body was designed for pleasure and that you deserve pleasure can be a really important step forward for so many people. Yeah. And how you view sex as well. What does sex mean to you? Again, what what is the resistance here? Often I do work with a lot of clients who have different libidos. Obviously we have different upbringings um, and we've been on different journeys as well. Some might see their partner, you know, looking at them and, you know, saying sexy things to them as degrading. Oh, my God, you see me as a sexual being. It's like, well, what is the difference as or what does that mean to you? And what's the difference of being a sexual being and being um, appealing in your partner's eyes? Why is that so difficult? You know, so going through or going down that sort of path and that journey and exploring that. And I say that because I think it's really important to have an understanding of how your partner views sex. And when I say sex, I mean everything, not just penis and vagina or um, penetrative Um, This is where communication comes in, you know. How do you view sex? Where, you know, has your narrative come from? And there's no wrong or right. Remember, it's about understanding and how you can both be on the same page. Very, very important when you have different libidos because the person with the lower libido usually, not always, usually thinks that they're broken, there's something wrong with them, they withdraw. The person with the higher libido tends to feel um, rejected sometimes or might think, oh, well, you know, there's something wrong with you because you should want sex more or you should be happy I want you. So then, you know, they kind of butting heads, so to speak. So it's about trying to understand, hey, what does sex mean to you? And when you say X, Y and Z or when you do X, Y and Z, what, what does that mean? And what other things or what? What are the other things that we can do to connect? Or if I don't want to have sex, 
How would you like me to turn you down so you don't feel rejected? What are the conversations that we need to have? These are really, really important topics that couples need to talk about so they are on the same page, so they do have a better understanding. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Heidi, for coming on to the show. I could listen to your advice all day. No worries at all. But this is the beginning of your day. You got to get back to work. So I want to finish by asking a question I love to ask all of my guests, which is quite simply, what do you wish everyone knew about love? Well, I see love as a wonderful and almost addictive feeling. Um, I think it can bring out the best and worst in us sometimes, but love takes work. And I think it's not enough just to love, but to also show love. And because I, I guess I see, you know, and see this a lot with my couples, oh, but I love my partner. And like, and how do you show that? And what does that mean for you? And how are you doing love? So love is also an action word as well, I believe. Absolutely. So we can see our partners as verbs and our love as verbs too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that sentiment. Thank you so much, Heidi, for coming on to the show. For our listeners that want to learn more about you, how can they find you? So they can look my, look up my website, HeidiGCounseling.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram as well, HeidiGSpot. And on TikTok, the same handle, HeidiGSpot. <laughs> Lovely. It's easy to remember. <laughs> HeidiGSpot. That's right. G-E-E -E spot. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So thank you so much, Heidi, for coming on to the show. And thank you listeners for listening to the show. We hope you remember many of the valuable lessons gained today. And it begins with that inquiry, like what can you do to feed your soul right here, right now? And what do you truly want in your life? With your partner, you don't have to agree, but you can understand and empathize with their internal world. And don't forget, your body deserves pleasure. Your body was designed for pleasure. There can be some obstacles on the path like low self-esteem, lack of experience or slut shaming. But the path forward starts with connecting to your own body and your own self-pleasure. And love takes some work. Sex takes some work too, but it's fun work, awesome work. And it's not just enough to say that you love someone, but you have to show your love to them as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Good summary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And if you want to learn more about me, you can head to ZachBeach.com and learn more about the show at TheHeartCenter.com. Thanks so much, Heidi G. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast. To learn more about the show and your host, head over to ZachBeach.com or TheHeartCenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.